Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the debut episode of the Blue Ink Show, the official podcast at blueinkcode.com. I am your host Jack Taylor and this podcast is about all things Apple. I can't do this show alone because that would be incredibly boring. So I am joined by my long-suffering permanent special guest, Lex Cowan. Say hello, Lex Cowan. Hi, hi. I'm permanent special guest number one. Maybe we'll have more. We'll see. (laughs) They won't be permanent though, will they? They'll just be special guests. Purely transitory. <laughs> Just drifting through this... Vagrant, vagrant this, this This purgatory of, uh, of Apple reporting. We're both somewhat qualified in this field. I mean, I've been using devices for nearly 10... Well, I've been using devices for a long time, but Apple devices for nearly 10 years. Um, I, uh, I, I do other things as well. I'm a, I'm a hobbyist YouTuber and independent iOS developer. And me and Lex both have uh, a day job that involves these devices in extreme detail. Anything you'd like to add, Lexi? I don't quite have that pedigree, although I'm slowly catching up. Uh, I'm a relatively recent convert of about four years now. Um, Well, time has flown. Uh, My root in was Mac, which isn't the way around most people go. Um, But I... Couldn't go back. Once you go Mac, you can't go back. That's all I'll say. Oh, that's solid. Once you go Mac, you can't go back. Yep, that's true. <laughs> nice. Okay, so we've actually put some organisation into this. Well, I have at least. Um, we've got no follow-up because it's the first ever episode. Okay, right. So how shall we begin? The first thing in the topic list is iPhone XR pre-orders. Uh, it's Monday the 22nd of October today. So last Friday they went on sale. Lex, what are your thoughts on this? Have you Have you been watching... The iPhone XR pre-order scene? A little bit, yeah. It's an interesting one. Um, obviously, we were, we were looking the other day at the colours that have done well and that have, you know, that they've um, their shipping and their collection day has been pushed back and the ones that haven't. And it's interesting. It's not quite what we were expecting. Or rather, it's definitely not what you were expecting. Obviously, the product red one, you know, that's, that's, that's an easy sell for Apple. It's one they've been doing for years. And it is also the exact same red as last year's so which is undeniably one of the most beautiful colors they've ever put on an iphone exactly so people are going to be drawn to that definitely and it's a product read from launch which isn't common you know normally they come around six months later around very the surprised time. they did that myself i was very yeah, surprised yeah. yeah it's an interesting one you would assume they would wait but i suppose if it's all about colorful phones then what's the point of waiting you know less people are going to wait if they want the colorful one i suppose as they're all colorful Exactly, and I guess it does leave room for a red XS. I mean, I still can see that happening. Especially now that they've got the gold stainless steel. They're clearly getting good at colouring stainless steel. I could see a (laughs) nice shiny red. Oh, that would be... uh, (laughs) That would would be be, hard to resist. I would not be able to sleep at night knowing uh, that I don't have one of those. Yeah, Um, yeah. That could be a little jewel. Um, but yeah, I was surprised that the blue hasn't sold mm. more. See, I've, yeah, I've been thinking about this, and I think I think it's the 5C that's done it. Now, when I think of an iPhone 5C, it's in that wonderful blue colour. And it was a lovely colour. But I think that's what everyone else thinks of as well. When you think of an iPhone 5C, you think of that colour. Apple have kind of been there, done that. They haven't at all. You know, it's a lovely colour and it's been... You know, not on sale because it is similar. It's been, you know, hasn't been around for ages. But I think people are going to be drawn to the yellow and the coral, which is exactly what's happened. 
I totally agree. I, I think it has got something to do with it. And people do have a very bad memory of the 5C. Like normal people, not just nerds. Um, the fight, I, I don't know why, because all it was is... I think at the time, it was the first time they ever released two iPhones at once. And I don't think they made it particularly clear that the 5C was the cheaper, crappier version. And I think lots of people bought it not realising that it was literally last year's iPhone in a plastic case. I suppose it was it was the first time they'd ever done that, and I suppose it was, a, it was new ground for them, and new ground for, obviously, their customers as well. You know, you would never potentially think of Apple releasing a, for want of a better word, an inferior product a year later. It's very... Yeah, it was strange at the time, and the camp, the marketing campaign was more on the 5C than the 5S, like, you saw adverts for them with those weird hole cases everywhere. Um, and I think lots of people bought it, and then it turned out to be pretty trashy. And then maybe after they the... Cool. F- they, they were, were so cool. cool. They were really they, cool. In the hand, they're the nicest iPhone to hold, to date. They are the comfiest mm. in your hand. They feel amazing. Mm. I love them. But that blue, you're right, is almost identical to the blue 5C. And I really do think that's got something similar. to do with it. Yeah, For sure. it is. I've have a suspicion once you see them in store that the yellow will be the one to go for and pre-orders are sort of suggesting that people agree Uh, i'm looking at it now in the uk at least the 64 gig and the 128 gig of the yellow are slipped to 100 102 one to two weeks um shipping date and the 256 is still launch day delivery whereas the blue all three uh capacities are still next friday delivery which is interesting uh it's not what we were expecting because it is objectively one of the nicest. Literally, just noticed that the coral is the first. The sixty-four gig coral is the first to slip to two to three weeks. Is it really? Yeah. So it does show people are still ordering this phone. It wasn't like a mad rush. People are thinking about this and doing it. Definitely. I suppose there's a lot of choice here, and there they, they usually isn't. It's either you know three colors. Um, most people tend to go for the new one um, or space gray. Um, and then it's just a choice of, obviously, what storage capacity. But with these, there's so many different colours, it's kind of hard to choose. I'm not sure which one i choose, to be honest. I would um, totally go for blue, hands down, without question. Like, Yeah, it is really nice. Um, it is a wonderful colour, but I'm really not sure. I, the coral grappler, when I first saw it, I'm sort of... Uh, mm. The coral is the only one I wouldn't get. I really don't like it. I love yeah, all the I, others, I even do, the black and I white. Think... I think it's it's not so much that I don't like the coral as much as when I initially saw it, just the others have all grown on me as well. Um, I really like the yellow. I don't think I'd ever get the yellow. I don't think it'd be the one I would choose, but it is a re- objectively nice colour. I'm, I'm, I'm really tempted by the white, to be honest. I think, yeah, if I was buying one for myself, it would be blue. If I was recommending it to anyone, I might say go for the red, because we know how pretty mm. that is. Um, yeah. Red's I would... tried and tested. I couldn't really understand buying the black. I mean, the thing is, this phone is for not really for the diehard nerds like us. And that's why all these reports are coming out being like, yep, stock is readily readily available. Demand is great. It's not as big as XS and XS Max, but it doesn't matter because it's going to consistently sell through the year. And that's why you can see that people, as I was saying, people are still ordering this phone in this pre-order window. Um, because they're thinking about it, they're not necessarily rushing to it, they're not those kind of people, they're just people who want a new iPhone, don't really care when they get it, Um, and that's why um, the black one might do well, because I can see a lot of middle-aged, slightly nerdy men that want the XR 
just been like well, I of think course it I'm will become the, the default as it as it normally is. Space Gray is, has always been the default pretty much, and I think it's probably going to continue this year as well. Um, I don't see it changing as nice as the other colors are. I can't see. I can't imagine seeing many you know 35 40 45 50 year old people walking around with a tenor that isn't no black. for sure they're, they're the other colors are for teenagers um yeah. and younger people with any kind of excitement in their lives uh <laughs> but because uh but the white one i think people. is going to be oh. oh space gray club you're wrong you're wrong the current Sorry. the current incarnation of space gray is not nice um, I can't think it's of a time when it's not even space grey. It's it's chocolate. It's a dark chocolate colour. It's not nice <laughs> at all. Um, and when the iPhone 10 uh, and 10s and 10s Max come in that gorgeous silver and the stunning gold, ah, mm. uh, if you buy it's a grey one, it's not even really I much mean, of a choice. If you're spending that much money on a phone, I guess it's entirely your decision and props to you. But I just cannot totally. fathom why you'd buy the grey one, like. It's, it's just, uh, it takes it takes a lot away from the design of the phone because entirely it, just, it completely it, it, dulls down the yeah, phone. One hundred percent. You can't tell stainless steel from glass, which is fine, I suppose. But at the end of the day, they're beautiful. You know, why would you put surgical grade stainless steel on a phone and then not want to look at it? It is one of the nicest industrial designs ever put on a product. So I just can't get my head round. Yeah, I don't know. I think the silver 10s is still the the sort of gem and like mm. from a beauty point of view and then I think yep. if you had the silver like myself having the silver before and moving to the gold I think the gold is sort of like a, a variation of that silver in a way mm. the two go hand in hand in my head whereas the grey is it just doesn't like, take anything away from from the silver the fact that this gold is there and it's exactly. a wonderful colour the silver exactly. totally stands out for itself and it's just a lot it's very classy it's so classy I, I love both the silver is spot on the gold is uh, I guess it's not for everyone, but I think it's it's actually the classiest gold I've ever seen. Um, but not definitely. not as in the same league of class as the silver. Whereas the grey is just, oh, yeah, I don't know, <laughs> not a fan. Um, yeah, yeah, it's difficult to talk about because obviously everyone is entitled to their opinion and what they like. Just neither of us personally are particular space grey fans, to be honest. Uh, yeah, space grey is always that sort of thing. The only product I still think it looks cool on is iMac Pro. It does, it does, and it looks so much better than the MacBooks and the MacBook Pros. Yep, that's another example of Space Grey overkill. It's the current generations of MacBook Pro, yeah. everyone getting yeah. them in Space Grey, when the silver one is actually the one to get, it's in my opinion. beautiful, it looks beautiful, it really does. Especially every the time 15 you see one. silver. <laughs> yeah, every time you see one it really takes you back and you have to stand and look at it because it is work of art. No one has them, everyone gets Space Grey. Okay, so 10R pre-orders are kind of as predicted i'd say not a massive yeah. rush like the 10s or the 10 um no. but steady i'm sure it's going to sell well i'm looking forward to going and seeing them in store and totally going to make my dad buy a blue one near christmas um, <laughs> definitely uh seeing as he, i'd tell him to get the red but he's already got a red a plus so can't be going for that um but yes interesting more news with the 10r we have also just seen the uh repair prices of the iPhone 10R. Now, with mm. iPhones, you basically have three options of repair, effectively. You either smash the screen and pay for that, you either pay for a new battery, or anything else, you pay for a new phone, effectively. Um, and the prices have just come out for the uh, 
XR, and they're basically in the exact same category as the iPhone 8 Plus. So more than an iPhone 8, less than a 10 and 10s, and far less than a 10s Max. And yep, they're still pricey. In the UK, a out of warranty whole unit replacement of an iPhone 10 is 400 pound. Uh, sorry, iPhone 10R is 400 pound. Uh, I haven't actually got the screen price to hand. Oh, it's a hunt. It's 200. We'll go with 200. We're rounding up here because it's 196 pound 44. But I'd I'd imagine. Do they charge you that, or do they add some tax or something to that? I. Not sure on that one. Um, I know whenever I've had a replacement through Apple, they have quoted the exact price, but they've always been in warranty, so obviously nothing to pay anyway. Um, I think it probably is that price on the website. I would um, assume so. I having said that, so. when I got my 6 Plus screen done about two years ago, it was £99 exactly. So, I, I don't know. Oh, those were the days. Those were the days when the 6 Plus... The 6 Plus was less... Than the six, I remember this really well. The six was one two nine, and the six plus was ninety nine, and I couldn't figure out why. Um, Neither I can think I. back then, no one had six pluses, and that's all I can think. That's an odd one, though. But um, that's not a justifiable reason for it. But that's it's not the, at all. It's the only thing I can think. Anyway, I'll, the um. The so yeah the out warranty cost exactly of a iPhone XR screen is one hundred ninety six pound forty four so you're gonna want Apple Care and then if you crack the back God forbid uh, yeah you're looking at three hundred and ninety six pound forty four in the US uh, we're looking at again it's like the iPhone eight plus um, so screen damage is one hundred ninety nine and any other damage is three ninety nine so maybe it's rounded up to that in the UK as well um, I'm honestly Potentially. not sure. And then if you have Apple Care Plus, that'd be great because you're paying uh, £25 in the UK for a screen replacement and £79 for any other damage. And then in the US, it's uh, $29 for a screen and $99 for any other damage. And then the battery replacement, I believe, is $69. Uh, yeah, they did announce that, but I don't have it here. Currently, we're looking at, yeah, £65 for a battery replacement for 10s, 10s Max and 10R. And £25 for anything iPhone 6 and newer. But yeah, after December 31st, it's going up to £45 for those, except iPhone 10, which is also going up to £65. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's about in line with what I was expecting, to be honest. Yeah, it sits well, pretty much what we expect, halfway between the 8 and the 10, um, which makes sense as to obviously, you know, the stuff that's made from and the screen and obviously the price it costs. Obviously, it's you've still got the uh, liquid retina or the new liquid retina, which is obviously an LCD screen. Um, so, yeah, it, it all makes sense. Um, but, yeah, obviously, price is ever, but in line with what we'd expect. I mean, that liquid retina display is apparently very difficult to produce, maybe even, well, in 2018, more so than that OLED was. Um, Possibly, possibly. So we will see. I mean, the the cost of an LCD panel is less, but... Well, we we all know they had problems engineering them in the first place, so it wouldn't be surprising if they're not cheap to produce. I mean, no surprises here. Simple as, it's expensive. Uh, You're you're in for risky business if you uh, don't... Uh, use Apple Care Plus. Honestly, I'd say Apple Care Plus is more of a given at this point than a cases, because I feel most cases, unless you put like an Otterbox on, you're probably, if you hit it hard enough, going to damage something. Yeah, at the end of the day, regardless of the case you're going to put on it, it's not going to be indestructible. Um, 
And if you actually like these products to the extent we do, sooner or later you're going to slip it out of the case for just a couple of hours and that's when you're going to drop it on your kitchen floor. So, yeah. yeah. I, I yeah, just definitely. I just factor Apple Care Plus into the price of these devices. Speaking of which, how much is mm. Apple Care Plus on a 10R? Is it 149 or is it the price of a 10 which is 199? I have a feeling it is um, 199. Never mind, it is 149. I've got it here. Ah, interesting. So it's literally being treated as an Same A+. Plus. As plus. Yeah. Effectively. Um, yeah, cool. Okay. Um, I think that's all very reasonable. It makes sense. It's the consumer phone at the end of the day. It's the consumer 10. Um, which obviously with cost of insurance and things makes sense. They kind of keep it as low as they can or in line with obviously the 8 Plus, which is, you know, again, sort of the consumer phone in regards to the 10 when obviously that released. I mean, yeah, no nasty surprises at all. Nothing funky, like if you crack the screen, you're paying for a whole unit. Nothing weird going on. Um, so yeah, I'm, yeah, just thought we'd put that out there, but nothing too crazy. All right, moving on to the next topic, unless you have anything else to say about the 10R in any capacity, because next time we record, there will be they'll be in the hands of the public, so... Yeah, definitely. I do have something to raise, but it probably makes more sense when it has actually been released. Um, I'm just curious about how it will have an impact on 10 sales, or 10S and 10S Max sales, towards the end of the year. Because obviously, if this is a consumer device, with consumers, they will buy throughout the year, obviously. People that are in the know and you know, obviously want the latest iPhone, they're not going to buy an iPhone in June, July. They will wait until, obviously, the new one comes out. But we still had lots of people that do want to buy 10s around that time last year, um, which were more the consumer type of people. So it's interesting as to whether 10 sales, 10S, sorry, 10S Max sales will not be on par with what the 10 had last year at that time of year because there is a consumer version available that's what i'm interested to see is the long-term ramifications of having a consumer 10 for sure i mean there's another the consumer isn't always trying to save money necessarily there's another level of consumer that i'd imagine you get in the flagship apple stores that don't pay attention to this at all and not necessarily the kind of person that's like burning money but just people who they walk into a store they want a new iphone they're going to buy the most expensive one probably quite sensibly to future proof you know and that um so i mean i think it will i don't know i would i don't I, i find it hard to believe that come august next year Every week they're selling more 10Rs than 10Ss. Mm. But I think the 10, obviously the 10S uh, sales are going to just slowly decline following Christmas. Because um, every year you get the rush of people who get it in between September and Christmas. And then, like, I haven't seen many 10Ss, identifiable 10Ss or 10S Maxes out and about at all this no. year. Far less no, than normal. Neither. But after Christmas, that's when you'll start seeing the school kids with them. Maybe this year you'll see them with 10Rs. Yeah, um, definitely. Definitely. But you raise so. an interesting point. And yeah, we will have, obviously we won't really know until earnings calls and things like that. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be a cool one. And I suspect, I know this is really f- far ahead, but I suspect next year when whatever comes out next year, probably iPhone 11 and then iPhone 11 Max, I'd imagine they'll just keep 10R around as, as the cheaper point. I would assume so. I don't see them updating it next year, to be honest. As that cheaper Probably option bit, until yeah. something new slots in at that point let's just hope they don't keep it hanging around as long as they have done with phones at that price point previously or rather that <laughs> demographic the, the iphone lineup at the moment is very very solid i think it is 
I a part of me wishes they had discontinued the seven and the seven plus, but at the same time, getting a seven for over here for four four nine, that's an incredible deal. It's only two years old. Like yeah. that used to be your three four year old iPhone, not your yeah. two year old iPhone. Um, totally sure. If they could offer the eight for four four nine, go for it. But they they clearly can't. The iPhone eight yeah. still sticks out like a sore thumb in the lineup, like it did last year. Like I just it does. Yeah, it's expensive. For what it is compared For to the seven, yeah, and then if you and when now you have the ten R, into the ten R, you know, yeah, it's difficult to recommend the iPhone eight. It's very difficult. It is. It's purely the fact that it has the home button. That's <laughs> what well, that's what people will want. But um, if you if you want that design, I'd say save yourself a considerable amount of money and get the seven. That's exactly that's what I'd suggest. But I don't think people are going to do that purely because the the age of the newer phone. People tend to want the newer phone. Most people, obviously, mm. you know, some people are absolutely fine with having the old one if it's cheaper. And the, obviously, there is still a place for the seven, hence it's still on sale. Um, but I do think that a lot of people are going to the eight. The reason the eight will still be around is it's the newer seven. That's all it is. The eight is the newer seven with wireless charging. It's literally a seven S. I'm still part of me is surprised they didn't call it the 7S because uh, I don't think the industrial design change was enough to warrant a new number. I think it, it, it looks like a 7, enough to be called a 7S. I think it's literally for the marketing strategy they had in 2017 was, okay, we're going to have the 8, we're going to have the 10, rather than the 7S and the 10, or what was rumoured, the 7S and the and the 8 being the 10. But... Yeah, I think I think it makes sense when you look at the marketing strategy, but I think if you're looking at it from a pedantic point of view, looking at what's how iPhones have evolved, the eight is a seven S. Yeah, if if you look at S's for what they are, the eight ticks most of those boxes. You know, um, obviously there is that industrial design change, but it's not really. It's it's a material design change. It's not the form factor stayed identical. You know, it's change of materials rather than anything else, and it was it, it was necessity. If you want to start diving down the rabbit hole, I mean, the 7 was kind of like <laughs> yeah. a 6SS. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. everything, that whole, yeah, it, a mess, basically. Um, I mean, if you compare the wireless, the glass back as a necessity to incorporate that wireless charging, the redesigned camera um, enclosure was out of necessity to fit that bigger camera in over, obviously, the 6S. So, really, they're, you know. 10, 10's been the big first change in a while. They, ma- they made a big point when the 7 came out that the in- the camera was now one piece with the enclosure. And then the next year, they just stick a ring back on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they tried to hide the camera bump on the 6 and the 6S. If you looked at the marketing shots, it was not there. You know, it was really hard to see. If, if 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 they had a side profile of the phone, they'd often try and blur it out for whatever reason. But the 7, completely different. That was when they, they, they decided, we've got to have it, so let's just embrace it. And they did. And then you, um, then you look at the 10 then, or the 10S and look at the yeah. beast on the back of that thing yeah. compared to the yeah. 6S literally, exactly. what, three years ago? It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Cool, right. So let's move away from iPhones and let's move to something mm. a bit less jolly. Uh... The Bloomberg drama and Tim Cook's subsequent response to it. Um, I was kind of following this um, because I saw a lot of people tweeting about how it was the first time Apple had like straight up called out a news publication saying, you are lying, take it down effectively. Um, And yeah, it's 
Basically, what happened is Bloomberg wrote a massive report saying that there were Chinese spy chips embedded in servers manufactured by a company that sold servers to Apple and Amazon in the past. Um, I'm not sure about Amazon currently, but at least Apple no longer use this manufacturer. Um, and basically, more details have emerged from this. And this was this wasn't like a, a quick article on Bloomberg's website. They wrote they like made. Photo, they did photos, like a photo shoot for it. It was like a big spread in their magazine. It was, they thought they had something big here. And then basically what's happened is it's emerged that all throughout the creation of this article, Apple were almost working with Bloomberg and feeding back to them saying, look, this isn't true, um, which is only fueled... Would it would fuel a German a journal a German? <laughs> it would fuel journalism because, like, if your P, PR department is saying this ain't true, they're gonna be like, okay, yep, sure, we believe you. You're just covering up here. And then apparently Tim Cook made a call to someone high up at Bloomberg saying, look, if you publish this, like, as a large last ditch effort, being like, if you publish it, we will come out and say you're lying, effectively, which he has since done. Um, but yeah, and then I think at that point. They really thought they had something. And then when they finally published it and uh, Amazon and Apple basically put out these statements, I think Bloomberg at that point realized they, they screwed up. And yeah, there's a big conspiracy around it. Like who put Bloomberg up to it? Is it someone in the US government trying to instill fear in China, um, which is a big like narrative going on in the States, whereas in the UK, which kind of brainwashed to be scared of Russia. Uh, in the US, it's very much be scared of China. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, I don't think anyone put anyone up to it. I think it's literally someone at Bloomberg thought they had something to run with and ultimately screwed up big time. Because if Apple were lying at this point, executives would be going to jail for the, because it's straight up fraud at this point if they were saying, no, no, nothing was infected. And Tim's actually said that they effectively, quote unquote, turn the company upside down trying to find out if these spy chips were actually in their systems um so yeah it's it's a really really weird one and now tim cook has basically called on bloomberg to retract the story effectively saying there's no truth to this um yes so what do you think i i i agree um i think there's a lot of smoke here um i think a lot of this and apple's response to this which is obviously been seen as unorthodox they haven't come out and said this before this is new grounds for them you know whenever they have they have had falsified reports and things like that they tend to have just ignored it and weathered it for whatever this is different this time um obviously over the last couple of years there's been a big big focus on security and things like this obviously you've got the san bernardino iphone that kicked pretty much all of this off um and i think this is all still a symptom of this obviously um, recently, Apple have overhauled their privacy policy page. Um, well, that's download. mainly GDPR issue. It is, it is, but I think privacy at the moment is in is such a big thing in the public eye. Um, and and Apple are very China much using sneaked, it as, totally, as a it's point. one of their unique selling points right now. Is is the privacy? So if there is even the slightest possibility that these spy chips have found their way into their servers. They're going to do everything in their power to either find it out and obviously remedy the situation, or if it is untrue, which it seems to be, um, they will go out of their way to get that disretracted because it only hurts them more so than I think anything else. But this has the potential to be really, really damaging. Um, so they definitely wanted to try to snuff the fire out while they can. Um, 
which yeah i think i think that's what it is this is definitely because of what's happened over the last two three years with security and obviously the massive focus that it's had i think this is why if it were anything else you know concerns about manufacturing something else but because this is privacy i think this is why it's been taken so you know it's been taken so seriously by apple and obviously for tim cook to come out and say something himself that's new grounds for them interestingly enough in their statement they did reference that their sort of theory because apple do genuine genuinely seem a little confused about this and where it's come from um like this kind of relentless attack on them by bloomberg that just wouldn't slow down no matter what their pr department told them otherwise um they one theory they suggested was in 2015 or 16 i believe they discovered a infected chip on one of their lab servers that was never hosting any public data or never going anywhere near the apple services um and they they deemed it to be an accident and not a direct attack and they put a full internal investigation into it and nothing came of it but apple's a strange company that in that inside the company everyone's sort of aware of everything going on but because there is this level of secrecy no one has the full story and one theory i heard thrown around is the way this could have started is if someone at bloomberg had just a friend working at apple and they asked for a comment on this they'd be like oh yeah sure i've heard about the infected chips yeah that happened because it kind of did but in a completely different way in a completely harmless way but that could fuel this fire and I think that is probably accurate. I don't think Bloomberg had it out for Apple. I don't think anyone high up in the government set them up to it. Because if you're going to target people, you don't target Apple and Amazon. Prepare to get royally fucked afterwards. Like, I think this was all a big misunderstanding. Yeah, I think it's an interesting way. If there was some sort of malicious uh, you know, motive behind all of this, they would you would have something that you could then back and back this up. All that Bloomberg have is is hearsay, essentially. Um, and, you know, some person said this, some person didn't. There's no, there's no hard proof, so to speak. And I don't think if this was a big conspiracy by whatever government agency, it would be a little more tied up in a bow, so to speak. It seems all just a bit messy, quite frankly. Um, and no one seems to know really what's going on. And Apple can't find anything. And to be honest, I'm pretty sure that that is the case uh, as you said um someone's got the wrong end of the stick and obviously it's just snowballed from there no i think the whole thing is totally false and i think bloomberg ideally should just retract it and i think nothing will ever come of it again i don't think it's particularly damaging to apple or amazon and i don't think it's really damaging to bloomberg i think it's an honest mistake but i don't think they will retract it because it's not really like a massive publication like that to straight up say oops like they had plenty of opportunity to pull this before publishing it like apparently it's gone on over three years in the background and no one's really known i think at this point it's going to hang around and i think it is going to die out into nothing but i'd be kind of concerned if i was bloomberg in in the sense that apple aren't afraid to sue people and apple currently have a lot of money and resources um so yeah i'd be slightly concerned if i was bloomberg i can't see bloomberg with re- retracting it to be honest with you i don't think it's going to happen um it probably should it should be retracted uh you know obviously everything we've seen is the contrary um but i don't think it will be well it'd be interesting to see where it does end up going because it could definitely hurt bloomberg in the long run um 
But I, th- I think the thing to take from this is how it's a good sign that Tim Cook isn't afraid to go full out Steve Jobs level of stop this. Like, this is this is a total lie and I will call you out for it. And it's it, like, I recently came across the Antenna Gate conference on YouTube when Steve was basically called all the journalists in like 12 days after the iPhone 4 launch to sort of shut down any false claims about massive signal drops when you hold the iPhone 4 in this way. And he was basically saying, stop rubbishing my product. This is normal for all mobile phones. And there have been lots of controversies with Apple, not real ones, over the last few years. And I think the only one they really responded to was the battery uh, incident about Mm. this time last year, um, which I still think was Tim's biggest mistake as CEO on the way he handled that. But anyway, not getting into that because that was a non-issue. But this is him really stepping up and... uh, bringing out the big guns and saying, stop. And I think it's good that he's sort of standing up for the company that he's leading um, in such a public manner. And it's it's encouraging, for sure. I like how he's operating Apple at the moment in a very big way. I don't have many problems with him. Definitely. I think they're going in the right direction at the moment. Everything seems to be doing pretty well. I mean, if you look at their product lineup, it's all in a pretty good state at the moment. Obviously, there's need to sort this consumer Mac out and all of that that's stuff. That's the only once. thing, and that's, that's the only thing. hopefully yeah. coming in eight days. So Fingers crossed, yeah. so I will be very I disappointed if that doesn't show really, up. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. It would kind of be almost a cake in the teeth at this point. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think it is coming. Yeah, I'd be amazed if it doesn't. Um, but once that's there, I'm, I'm really happy with what Apple have got at the moment. I think they're doing really well. Well, theoretically, this time next year, we will have a solid 2019 iPhone lineup. iPad Pro has got out of date again, but by then, hopefully, well, we will have new ones, maybe even new new ones. Um, desktop Macs, you should be looking at a new Mac Mini, iMac Pro, Mac Pro, and a consumer iMac. And the Mac laptop situation will hopefully be nice and tidy, and with any luck, maybe a redesign of the MacBook Pro. That's all very possible in the next 12 months. So it's a really busy roadmap, actually. When you think about it, very like that, busy. They've got a lot on, um, and it's all entirely possible for the next 12 months that that will all ship. Definitely. Um, so I'm very excited for 2019, especially of iOS 13 and macOS yeah. 10.5. Um, yeah, stuff stuff's the about to get really cool. The next couple years could be really, really interesting. Yeah, if, on and if, we, if we move to ARM Max in 2020, which is very much rumoured, and then not far away is this rumoured AR headset. People are talking about 2020 yeah. for that as well. So I think yeah. stuff's about to get very interesting. People in the last, sort of from like, I'd say 2012 to sort of 16, there was this sort of narrative that Apple had lost its way. And while it wasn't going away by any means, it wasn't sort of the innovator it once was. And I think they've got to a point now by refining existing products that they've reasserted that dominance. And I think the, the wealth they've gathered from doing so is about to sort of catapult them into the next decade and i really do think apple's going to be on top once again especially if all these bets on ar being the next thing like next smartphone level thing uh being true because apple have already built up an ar app ecosystem ready to go from day one on their headset that no one else will be able to catch up with Um, i think apple might be about to leave everyone else playing with smartphones in the dust um but we'll see we will see the last few years they've definitely been working on building this foundation and it's so nearly very close to being a really solid foundation 
And they've still got another two years to refine it. Yep, definitely, definitely. They're in a really good place at the moment. There's nothing, I would say, earth-shattering that they're doing right this second, as in that they're they're shipping. But next next two years, they're really well. They really could be. All the pieces are moving into place. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, it's very cool. Okay, so if we move on to uh, point number four on the topic list, this is an interesting one. I found this thread on Mac Rumors forums. I'm actually going to write an article for the website about this um, because I thought it was interesting. Not, yeah, it's sort of this this uh, this forum post sort of put a load of things together in my head. So we'll see see how we can go with this. Um, but basically, it's a post by someone. The post is titled uh, "Radical Redesign When," and it's in the Apple Watch discussion. And uh, the post goes, while I love the functionality of the Apple Watch, I don't love the design. Being a watch as well as a piece of technology, I think the aesthetics is just as important as functionality. I'm thinking about buying a 44mm Apple Watch, but would be upset if I spent all this cash then a more stylish version came out in 12 months' time. To that end, when do you think Apple will radically redesign the Apple Watch? Next version or still a few years away? Appreciate it's only your opinion. Cheers. Now... (laughs) I think this person, if they're holding out for a redesign, is going to be very disappointed because that's what the Series 4 was. Um, And the comments in the forum basically reinforce that idea. Um, But it just does go to show that people still aren't happy with the design of the watch. Yeah, it's a really interesting one. Um, Because... It is. It is. The Series 4 is a massive redesign. You look at them side by side, they are different products. The Series 4 looks of... fit for for the next couple of years, whereas the absolutely. old one looks retro. Like... It, absolutely. Absolutely. It's kind of... To me, it almost looks like the difference between the iPhone 8 and the iPhone XR. It's the rounded edges. It is, yeah. Um, it makes a huge difference. And it does... It's. The Series 3, and I, I had the Series 2, um, obviously functionally the same, um, they were fine. I didn't have any complaints, and I would have gotten a new watch this year regardless. My Series 2 was getting a bit slow. Um, I knew I was going to be upgraded this year. I hoped there would be a redesign, um, and fortunately enough, there was. And I'm really happy with it, and I love it to pieces, and it's beautiful. Uh, it looks so much nicer. Um, I agree. I'm to- I totally love my Series Four. Yeah, it makes anything else that came before it look incredibly outdated. Uh, it both looks the phone like something from yeah, and both the phone and the watch this year, I could not be happier with. Like that, yeah, they're so so nice. They are. They are really really solid. Um, and yeah, it's interesting because I suppose what this guy's asking for, what he's after. Is a His point is very valid. Redesign. He wants. It is. It is. Yeah. He wants. He wants a change in form factor, which there kind of hasn't been. I I understand that th- this is sort of. I feel like this is almost the series one, two, three, and series zero re- redefined. It's sort of taken to its nth degree. It's kind of like what it could have always been. So I I can see where he's coming from. But I think that he's also got to remember that this is the Apple Watch, if you know what I mean. This is what it looks like, and I think it's going to stay that way for quite so a while. So I think the, what I'm trying to get at by putting this in here was you're never going to please everyone because watches are a piece of fashion. And people have very strong opinions about what looks good on their wrist. If you're wearing anything, it's totally going to be down to you, and there are always going to be people that don't like the Apple Watch but want to mm. use one. 
And that's why some people have said, should they offer like a round one and a square one and things like that, which is something I really don't want a mess. I don't want Apple to get into unless they can do it well, in which case I would be more than happy for them to offer a round watch as well. But developers are sort of saying that the rounded edges on the Series 4 are hard enough to work with. If they made the whole thing round, I, I mean, my friend has a um, has a Huawei smartwatch and it's round and so much content is cut off. It's, it's ridiculous. It's so hard to design efficient UI for a circular screen. It's, you, there's so much wasted space there. It's so, so difficult. Um, and there's just... I don't see the 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 payoff there is minimal. The Apple Watch is already the best selling watch on the planet. I can't see them doing it anytime soon, to be honest. Which is some which is something to really point out in the space of it four is. years. It's the biggest selling watch on the planet. That's <laughs> like what? Mind blowing to think about. You <laughs> and see you them all the time. And you still don't. Well, I was going to say yeah. Really? You do see <laughs> them all the time. Opposite. You no, do. But I, um, you do see them all the time, but you don't see them. Everywhere To be the biggest selling watch on the planet, you sort of assume you're going to see them on everyone's wrist, which you really, really don't. But you do see them a hell of a lot now. I suppose it's the kind of thing that if you are going to buy a decent watch and spend a few hundred pounds on it at least, you are going to have that watch for years. Um, And that's the difference here, I think. I think watches... I mean, I'm... I'm I'm not a watch person, it's not really something, you know, I have a few watches that I like wearing and I'm kind of sad I don't get to wear them anymore, but it doesn't change my opinion on wearing this all the time. Um, and I suppose it's one of those things that peop- these have a, these just are shifting more quickly than standard watches because you don't tend to buy a watch every two years. Not to, not to this degree, anyway. I think also lots of people had stopped wearing watches uh, following the era of smartphones, Except people who like watches. Now, I think people who are more likely to buy an Apple Watch are probably the people who stopped wearing watches. And that's why the Series 4 has sparked a lot of interest because lots of people held off from the first few and they're sort of like thinking, okay, now, funnily enough, this redesign is enough for them to consider wearing it on their wrist. But I still don't think it's enough to convince people who who like watches. And I can very much appreciate an attractive watch, but it's not something I'm into spending money on. Like, I look, walk past a jeweler's and I see a nice expensive watch and I think that's cool. That's really nice. But it's, I would rather have a functional Apple Watch. Which, by the way, in, in stainless steel of any variety, the black, gold or silver, I think is one of the most attractive watches out there. Especially the Series 4. I, I really do think they are on point design-wise. And again, it's just taste. Yeah, it is. It is. And I think the argument of having a dumb watch, so to speak, is the ultimate expression of form over function. The only function you're going to get with that is it tells you the time, which at this point, you know, anything can do realistically. You're going to you're likely to have two or three devices on you that are going to be able to tell you the time. Um, Why would you spend so much which gives you which gives you back so little apart from form? And that's it. All you get is a nice-looking watch. But whereas, obviously, with an Apple Watch, you could have a nice-looking watch, and you get so much more out of it. You get all the function, um, which is why, you know, they're just blowing up everywhere. Um, you know, I was reading Johnny Ive the other day, uh, and he was uh, an interview that he had um, talking about the Apple Watch, and he said he, he doesn't. it's not a watch. It is a watch, but it's not. It's the same with the phones. You know, a, a smartphone, an iPhone, they stopped becoming phones years ago. Were they ever? Was an iPhone ever really just a phone in the first place? 
since obviously the App Store came in, you can run your business, you can run your life from your phone. And realistically, what this is, what we're wearing on our wrists, is a super smart computer with so many different sensory inputs. That's what it is. It's a supercomputer that can tell you how your heart rate is. It's more than just a watch. It's, it was never a watch to begin with. That's just that's just how it looks. It presents itself as a watch. It's strapped to your wrist, but it is a computer with like multi-sensorial inputs, which tells you so much about you. That's what it is. And I think it's not a watch, and that's what the issue is. People that like watches don't like this because it isn't a watch. I think that kind of also speaks to the design as well. I think the original... Apple Watch and the Series 2 and 3 were, they were emulating a watch. I mean, look at the crown. Like, it was, that, the design was emulating a watch. Now, the Series 4 is kind of emulating the design of the Apple Watch. It's become its own thing. And that's why I don't think they're ever going to move in a direction that pushes it towards being back more like a dumb watch. You will forever be able to look at this and it will always look like an Apple Watch because it's not a watch, it's an Apple Watch. It's an Apple Watch. It's always going to move in that direction. And one of the comments on that forum post said they can only see a radical redesign if a new functionality pushes that way. And I think that is very true. I think your next design change is going to come when the watch significantly changes how it operates. Um, Which, be that an even bigger screen it, or what? I don't know. Is kind of where the iPhones have gone since the 6. If you look at the industrial design from an iPhone 6 to an iPhone 10, the differences are feature-based. They are not differences for design for the sake of design. The only thing you could say in there is potentially stainless steel. You don't need the stainless steel, but it helps it keep it stronger and obviously the glass less likely to break. If you think the glass back, wireless charging, the dual camera... Better much just obviously you've got the telephoto lens, portrait mode, all of that stuff. Um, the OLED screen to uh, edge to edge display, again, bigger screen. That's what we all want these days. We're using them as one device, you know, massive media consumption. So all of these changes are feature led at this point, and they haven't really changed the design of the iPhone for the sake of change. It's all been feature led. You know, again, the same dropping of the headphone jack. If you look on the inside of an iPhone now, you could not fit that Taptic engine in a phone with a headphone jack, and it just wouldn't fit. Again, feature-led, haptics. Everything that's changed with the iPhone in the last four or five years has been feature-led rather than for the point of design. Obviously, great design is still at, at, the, at the heart of what they go for, and Johnny Ive is a master of his craft. But everything that's changed, I would say, has been feature-led rather than anything else. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And uh, I think that's the direction the watch is going as well. And I think the bigger screen is the first redesign. And I think that is, again, feature-led. Like, people are displaying more content on their watches. Uh, the infograph face is an example of how people want the information on the watch face and they need more space for all these complications. I think, yeah, that, that comment in the forum was very, very spot on. And Definitely. I think that actually leads us nicely onto topic number five. Um, which is the rumor of the upcoming iPad Pro getting USB-C. Now, obviously, this is a big change, and every time there's an iPhone, there's this rumor about it getting USB-C, but no, wait, they were just confused. It's going to come with a USB-C to lightning cable. This time, it looks like that the iPad Pro is at least getting USB-C, whether it will replace Lightning or not, no one's too clear. But I think the assumption is yes, because Apple wouldn't really want two ports. I can't see them 
Yeah. If they're putting USB-C on it, I'm relatively sure it'll just replace Lightning. I can't see them having both. That seems against everything that they've been trying to do. Um, I agree. And I think Lightning makes sense for the phones and the cheap iPad, where they are literally consumption devices. And it also makes sense on the phone because it's so small. But on the iPad Pro, which is treated as a laptop, why not follow the laptops and use USB-C for charging? And data. It makes sense, definitely. I mean, really, I mean, we've both got phones that wirelessly charge. We both have Bluetooth um, headphones. We never need to plug our phone in unless we have a problem, unless we need to back up or restore our phones for something like that, which I don't think any of us we've not needed to do. Um, so the the Lightning port is purely almost precautionary. It's there because at the moment it kind of needs to be. We haven't quite made that leap yet, but I can see them going portless. On a, yeah, on a side note, I'd say that the iPhone is more likely to drop lightning before it moves to USB-C. Like, yeah, cordless. I, would, yeah. I really I don't think there's much to gain from putting USB-C at the moment onto an iPhone. Whereas on the yeah. iPad, apparently the Different only real use for it they're going to have at launch is uh, the ability to connect the iPad Pro to a 4K monitor, 4K HDR monitor. This is a Which bit of a weird sense. one. For me, because I'm not too sure, other than displaying video and stuff, what the... If you're sitting at a desk with an iPad Pro plugged into a a big 4K monitor, which is another thing, maybe Apple are about to launch one, maybe what would be lovely is a giant 27-inch 4K touchscreen monitor that works with iOS... That and then it's powered from your iPad Pro, that would blow my mind, because my point is... You can't. It's not like a laptop where you can put it in clamshell mode and just connect an external mouse and keyboard and away you go. You'd still be touching the iPad to interact with it. So yeah. surely that's a messy, unless it goes into like a trackpad mode where the iPad becomes a giant trackpad or like a tablet with the pencil on. I, I'm not sure how where this is going, but to me, if it there led has to, to something... There more to it than yeah, just for this. sure. I mean, to me, if they launched, I don't think this is coming now, but potentially in the future, like the Surface Studio, but the power's coming from the iPad, a giant iOS display. Oh my God, give me that right now. Like, I would love that. A big touchscreen, 27-inch display. Like, every time I've used a Surface Studio, it's always blown my mind how when I'm web browsing, I'm not pinching to zoom in. I'm pulling with both arms on the content to zoom into the web page. It's... It's an amazing experience, and I'd love to see it come to iOS. But I think USB-C, hopefully, would also be uh, for files, external file support. Um, Like, you plug in a USB-C drive, and it just comes up in the Files app as a destination. It'd be very doable. It's a big thing that we see a lot with, obviously, the people that want the iPad Pro. And it's a big reason why people can and do go for Surfaces instead. The file management is fine, but it could be a lot better. Um, And I I can only see USB-C helping that. What concerns me about this is, um, I think it was following WWDC this year, Craig Federighi had a statement that said, uh, they're not merging Mac and iOS. um, And one of the good things about Mac is it's going to continue existing for customers who want external displays and external storage. Um, Well, now this is happening. (laughs) Yeah, this... This is, yeah, I'm I'm not sure. Uh, I think it's happening, but I don't know what's... There's some mud in the water, for sure. Um, Definitely. 
The only thing that concerns me is the headphone jack is supposedly being dropped, which is fine for me. No problem at all. I'm entirely wireless. One of the things is it's incredibly... Well, it's getting easier, but it's getting messy. It's messy to find USB-C headphones. Whereas Lightning, it's not. They're £29, $29 at Apple. And I would hope they're going to put a Taptic engine in this. Um, That would be nice. I think it's about time, and it would also allow for haptic touch. So the new thing from the 10R on the iPad, because I assume it's going to get those camera and flashlight button on the lock screen to match the iPhone 10. Uh, that's yeah, what all the renders seem to suggest. And on the 10R, that's one of the only things that uses this haptic touch. I think it's about time the iPad Pro got it, a haptic engine. Um, I think it's... I think that's... And removing the headphone jack could be used as a justification or the engine be used as a justification for that but more so they reckon it's going to be 5.9 millimeters thick which is crazy and that's too thin for a for a headphone jack um so yeah it's gonna be an interesting one it really is um it kind of is the biggest unknown i'd say at the moment even the consumer mac we kind of have more of an idea of what's going on there or at least we have a bigger suspicion of what's going to happen um, the iPad Pro is an interesting one, and it's going to be—it's really going to be interesting to see how it pans out in the long run and see if it does. Because we have a lot of people that kind of just want. Uh, obviously, the iPad Pro—it—it it, it has that Pro moniker at the end of it, and it's not really being used in that regard. It is, but it's also definitely for the people that just want a slimmer one with a nicer screen. Um, and they're at their interesting point at the moment where if they do go ahead and put this USB-C port on it and drop the lightning and make it and make, you know, improve file system and add external support, then it really does become this sort of this pro tablet. But at the same time, that then contradicts kind of everything that Craig said. Um, you know, if they are keeping Mac OS and iOS separate, that's not really what we're seeing. Um, or at least they're getting so many features from one or the other. Uh, the feature list is the same, maybe just the user experience is going to be different, but then what's the point? Um, so yeah, it's kind of confusing. Apple are very good at contradicting themselves though, but not this <laughs> soon. Like, yeah. this four months later? Imminent almost, you know, it's not like they've had a talk and you know what, no, we've decided against it, in two years time we're doing this. This is imminent, you know, this is less than six months later. It's a strange one, but I'm very excited for this iPad Pro because they reckon that they're going to keep the 10.5 and the 12.9 screen sizes, but uh, obviously massively recre- uh, decrease bezels. Um, so as we were discussing before we started recording, I think we're both planning on going for the 12.9 inch, whereas we both currently have 10.5s. Um, so yeah, it's I'm very excited to see it, like crazy excited. Um, yeah, I'm definitely. not sure about the design. I, I'm leaning towards the rumors of that it's going to be 5S-like and it's going to be square and blocky. I, I really don't know. Again, a lot of the renders have shown that. And it'll be interesting because that's kind of not what anything looks like at the moment. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens if they do go back to that. And kind of like seeing a, a, a 5, 5S-inspired iPad that you would have expected to see, you know, four or five years ago. Um, but obviously iPads have kind of looked the same for a while now. Um, and interestingly, I'd imagine that the iPhones would probably next year follow that design language. And if you, you can consider the iPhone 10 as a sort of modern iPhone 4, 
I mean, if, yeah. if next year we go, <laughs> right, yeah. it starts that, getting full circle. I want to think about. It's really weird. Because this, the one thing that's still, I, I, I love, and it's a really nerdy observation. If you look at, exclude the 10s, but if you look at the, um, like the 7, the 6S, and the current iPad design, this all actually started with the 5th generation iPod Touch, which was unveiled <laughs> alongside the iPhone 5. And yeah. then the iPhone 6 took the design of that iPod. So to me, if you go back and watch, if you go back and watch that September 2012 keynote and we're all hyping over the iPhone 5, then as an afterthought, they're like, oh, by the way, here's a redesigned iPod Touch. That's your two-year-away iPhone design. It's, it's kind of <laughs> weird the way Apple recycle designs. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm hyped for this iPad, very hyped. Um, let's talk a bit more about the uh, this October 30th event because obviously that's a really big thing that's happening in just eight days from recording. Um, yeah. I'm sure this episode will be up before then, but whether or not anyone will listen to it, seeing as it's our first episode. But I will. We will. I'll fall asleep to it. Yeah, we'll, we'll use it as as our drift off to sleep. Background um, noise, you know. Background noise, yay. yay. Um, but yeah, so there's an October 30th event, so we fully were expecting a second event this year, seeing as very little was announced at the September event. We were getting a little worried. We, <laughs> we were, were getting, getting very worried. worried. I was sort of assuming it'd be a November event at this point. Um but yeah, no, it, October 30th was a date that was thrown around, and yeah, it's uh, it's happening. It's happening in Brooklyn. Now, I know Lex wanted to say something about the choice of event, uh, choice of venue. All I'll say very briefly is the way this is a bit like when they held it in uh, Chicago at the high school in March. Um, it's the town hall at Infinite Loop used to be their sort of secondary event venue. Last time they used it was for the Touch Bar Map Pro. Um, but now their on-site venue is this incredible theater. They kind of need to outsource for the secondary events. And that's, to me, in my eyes, what they're doing here. But let's see if you have anything more interesting to say about it. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. And I like the idea that they're going on tour, so to speak. And it'd be cool if this is a thing they keep up. Um, Come to the UK, I... please. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Who knows? Maybe one day. Um but I just find it odd that there's plenty of convention halls they could have chosen from. And obviously in March, it was at a high school. They released this new low-budget, probably the best value iPad they have ever released, which is obviously supports Apple Pencil, totally aimed for schools in sort of a, a backward way. Um, and now this is being held at the Brooklyn Academy for Music. Um, interesting. I Obviously, it's, it's a venue. So I think it's almost 3,000 seats, something like that. Um which is big, which is good, uh, but I feel like there's got to be something more to it. Obviously, iPad Pro, potentially, you know, they're holding it at a music venue. It, it is it is called this, and it has got a lot of history and as far as theatre goes. Um, I can't see them, I can't see it being a completely irrelevant choice and just being completely no, sure. coincidental. Um, there's got to be a reason for it. The high school was not irrelevant or incidental at all. Um, no. So, yeah, maybe some sort of music leaning. I mean, we haven't heard any rumours about this iPad Pro being sort of utilised for music production, but who knows? Maybe Logic maybe. will be the first Pro maybe. app, desktop app to come to the iPad Pro. I was kind exactly. of hoping for uh, Final Cut or Xcode, um, but Logic <laughs> will be a very welcome addition. Definitely. Make this a lot easier. For sure, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just carrying your iPad Pro around and then recording Definitely. a podcast. Um, 
But yeah, no, I I totally agree with you. I think there's something to it. The invites were unique this year. Everyone seemed to get a different one. Yeah, um, that's really cool. Different designs. Someone just I think they discovered there were 370 of them, which is just okay. like that's what crazy. for such a minor thing. Apple put a lot of effort into this. Yeah. And uh, yeah. what was really cool, I don't know if you saw this, um, but Federico Battici got an invite to the to the keynote, and I think this is the first time he's ever been invited to some. Thing because he's ju- I'd say just a podcaster but the point is if you're not familiar with him he is the epitome of an iPad power user he is a genius when it comes to mm. iPad use he knows exactly mm. what he's doing and for Apple to sort of acknowledge that and just send him an email being like come basically effectively <laughs> I, I, d- I don't know what they're planning for these iPads but they're inviting people who are important in the field of iPad use um, Definitely. So I think as far the yeah. ten was a was it was a vision of the future with iPhones, and I think this iPad's going to be the same. But it's not going to be a proof. Of, it's not going to be a concept. The, the, the iPhone ten was a concept phone. This is like they've skipped that. This is just full production going straight into it. The twenty seventeen iPad Pros with the introduction of iOS eleven and shortcuts this year that was yeah. the proof of concept for iPad yeah. Pro, and this yeah. is the new body and the new software and the hardware capabilities the power of the A12X the USB-C that's going to be mind blowing I can't wait for that I think this is going to be very exciting and uh, I'm sure there'll be an appearance from Adobe I don't know if you followed this but they announced that Photoshop's coming to the iPad and Phil Schiller was at their conference and came up on stage Um, and Adobe sort of hinted in a press release that um, they they said something along the lines of the Apple Pencil is going to be very interesting in the future and to me, that sort of indicates that Apple and Adobe are kind of in bed with this one. And I think Adobe are going to promote the iPad quite heavily. And I think they've probably got a degree of influence over which direction the hardware is taking. I wouldn't be surprised if Adobe said something along the lines of, look, we want to recommend this to our customers. This is what our customers need. Consider this. And Apple probably have thought about that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, that that was huge news. I remember when that started to hit the airwaves. That um, Yeah, it was leaking in the summer. Of- yeah, that was crazy. I mean, it was a big thing. You know, often lots of people ask about, you know, can I use Photoshop? And there are lots of sort of light versions, so to speak, but obviously nothing like obviously sitting down using a Mac for Photoshop, nothing professional to that degree. Um, and it, it's really exciting. It's really, really exciting. Um, who knows, maybe I'll become a graphic designer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it's only going to pave the way for everything else to move to iPad. I, I'm Definitely. I'm really once again thinking unless I get a job that requires it, I don't see myself buying a MacBook of any variety anytime soon. Yeah, because I'm going all out this time, going keyboard, iPad Pro, pencil. I mean, we both have 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 phases when we like our iPads, when we like our Macs, whichever we prefer using. Um, and I, I personally, I mean, obviously, I don't have a smart keyboard for mine, um, and you don't either. So we've never had one. Um, but for me, obviously, I've when I was studying and doing stuff for history and sitting down at a desk with my Mac, or you know, I was at a, at a desktop. I feel more productive. Typing an essay on one of these for me is just easier. Um, I'm in that zone, it puts me in that mind, and maybe it's because my iPad is purely a leisure device. I don't do anything on it, really. Um, It is purely for, you know, media consumption, that kind of thing, Um, emails, that kind of stuff, but nothing heavy. I do all of that on a Mac. 
Um, and I want to get into it, and I really enjoy my iPad. And I love taking it around with me and just being able to know that I have this big screen in my bag that I can whip out and do anything on that I want at any time. But that mindset for me is still very much, if I'm working, I need to be at a Mac. And for me, I think that's... I think it's a relatively common thing, but I need to get over that barrier and accept that this iPad can do everything my Mac can do, realistically. Yeah, I think you ended that perfectly, because I think the lines are going to get more and more blurred, but I think it's undeniable iOS is the way forward at this point, everything's suggesting that. And I think I I don't want to get left behind. I'm embracing shortcuts. I'm learning about them. I I feel like this could be the first moment in my sort of adult life where I could get left behind on technology because I'm so used to the way iOS operates now that I don't want to be stuck. I want to keep going with it. This is a paradigmal shift, I think. I'm no longer growing up with something. I've grown up with something and now I've got to keep moving. And I think the fact that we both keep coming back to iPad Pro and then switching back to Mac and then dancing around, I think it it just highlights that this iPad could be the Mac replacement. And I should rephrase that because I'm not planning on replacing my Mac with an iPad. I'm very much planning on paying a lot of money for a new desktop Mac next year, for sure. (laughs) You are indeed. Without question, whether it's a specced up iMac, iMac Pro or Mac Pro, I'm getting a new desktop next year. But I... I think I have a suspicion that this iPad will suffice as my mobile computer. So this is my MacBook replacement. But I really do think it's, yeah. I mean, if they bring out that 27-inch screen I talk about, you (laughs) never know. It could be my desktop replacement. But at the moment, no, it's not replacing a Mac. I'm just saying that... Being, there'll always be a place for a dedicated desktop that you know that is powerful totally that grunt behind it we do a lot I mean, of work that requires a mac i could not do what i do without a mac yeah i mean there will always be a place for them at least for the next 10 years or so they're not going away anytime soon but i think laptops will be laptops will be the first thing to go before desktops desktops are going to stick around how, how the desktop will change in that 10 years who knows um but macbooks laptops they will i think their days are not numbered necessarily but they're looking that way exciting times um okay let's talk about everything else about the 30th because we're what are we expecting we're expecting a mac mini we're expecting believe it or not a mac mini we're expecting a (laughs) i'm gonna call it a macbook air um believe it or not a macbook air um even Mm. though i would be shocked if it was called macbook air um and what else uh we're always expecting air power we're always expecting <laughs> AirPods 2, um, but I do yep. think they could well make an appearance now. Definitely, um, very possible. And we've, I think seen... we've seen leaks and renders, yep. and we sort of have a very solid idea of what's gonna, what they're going to be. And whether or not that rumour about there being AirPods 2 and AirPods Pro as well, I don't know, but we'll get to that in a second. And also uh, Apple Pencil 2 and a new smart keyboard are given uh, to go with the iPad. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. The Mac Mini, uh, I don't want to get too into it because neither of us are in that market and never have no. been or I don't see us ever being in that market. Um, no, it would purely be like they're very utilitarian at the end of the day. Um, they're not something that... Yeah, they're either for... They're not really for entry-level consumers anymore like they were when they first launched. I think now they literally live in server cases. Um, yeah. Or a home, they're a home <laughs> server for sure. Like, um, but I think whatever surfaces in regards to the Mac Mini, 
on the 30th, that's going to be a glimpse at the Mac Pro. Because I think the Mac a Mini... down Mac Pro, yeah. I think the design language and the direction the Mac Mini will take will be the same direction as the Mac Pro. And that's why there have been all these rumours about it being a sort of pro-focused Mac Mini that won't be so mini anymore. I do expect it's probably going to be quite big as well. It probably won't be called the Mac Mini. It could just take that place in the lineup. Yeah. Sort of like what they tried to do with the MacBooks and the MacBook Air, but that didn't seem to pan out very well. I mean, if you look at it, except the iPhone, which you could argue is included in this, um, every sort of product category Apple have have a, a consumer and a pro. Yeah, they this, do. M- um, this, they could call this the Mac. Like, it would be something cool like this. This could just be would, yeah. Mac, the and Mac. then Mac Pro, yeah. a bigger version of it, a more powerful version, is coming next year. Um, no, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think, but I think that idea but is going to be. I think it would there. translate well. That if if you look at it that way, I think that would be the right way to look at whatever this Mac Mini is going to be. That's mm-hmm. the attitude you're going to have to bring to the table when you're considering one. If you are considering one, that this is a Mac, it's a computer, it's not a Mac Mini, um, it's not a Mac Pro. It's just right in the middle. Uh, it's really good for a lot of things, but if you want a screen with it, you get an iMac. If you want you know, obviously something more portable than you get a MacBook, but this is just a Mac. There's no nothing with it. This is just it, and you can do what you like with it. I think that's a very good way to look at it, and I think that could sell really well to the customers that desire it. And I think the Mac, this rebirth of the Mac Mini is literally, obviously this isn't going to sell in hundreds. This is never going to sell out. But I think Apple, basically, when they had that Mac Pro roundtable, said, look, we were sort of killing off the Mac because of the declining sales. But they've sort of said, look, we've got the resources and money. We can s- support this. And I think they are just rejuvenating the entire Mac line just to show their dedication. And I think that's exactly what the Mac Mini is, the new Mac Mini. Yeah. Well, it's unnecessary, it's, but it it's can be done. It's not something that is needed, not like a Mac Pro is anyway. But it's kind of nice to have. It's one of those things that I really want one, but I don't have any use for it. I wouldn't use it. It wouldn't do anything for me that I don't already have. Um, but I think they're just a really cool concept. Um, and I'm glad that they are well, seeming to be doing it. Um, whatever form it will come in, I think I think it's one It's one that will be forgotten about in 10 years' time, but it will be crucial. Like I'm really glad that they are doing it. So I was listening to Connected today, and Mike Hurley suggested something that was very cool. The idea of getting a Mac, Mac Mini, this new Mac Mini, chucking it away in a cupboard somewhere. And one of their sponsors this week was, uh, I think it's called Astro Display, and it's like a little USB that you stick into your Mac, and then that wirelessly over your network broadcasts your Mac display to your iPad Pro. And apparently oh. it works really damn well. Like, even there's no lag, the frame rate's amazing. And he oh, suggested, awesome. look, I could just have this Mac Mini tucked away somewhere, and when I want to use a Mac, it's almost like dual booting to my iPad Pro. That's, yeah, I could see that. <laughs> I know it's a weird idea, but you know that what? is a that cool use for it. That completely destroys my argument that there will always be a place for the desktop, circa ten years. Like, if, if that kind of thing is possible, and that's a realistic use, then you don't have a need for a desktop. If if the desktop is for power. And you can tether this new iPad Pro to a 4K monitor over USB-C. What, why do you need a desktop? I think we're definitely moving into a realm of box at home, device in hand. 
Um, yeah. Especially with these AR glasses, apparently they're mm. going to be powered by a Mac-like device that sits at home. And when 5G becomes launches, one of the great things about 5G is it's not just the speed of it, it's the bandwidth. You'll be able yeah. to instantly stream from this box at home to your glasses out in the city. Like, it's, it's a very exciting time. Things are about to change in a big way. But let's not get into that. What yeah, I say about the Mac Mini is we've seen no leaks, very little rumors other than it's coming. But every, so, yeah, everyone seems convinced that it's coming. Um, it's happening, but it's weird. It's, it's very weird. And to some extent, that's the same with the consumer Mac, which is another thing. So again, this MacBook yeah. Air replacement. In fact, I don't think we need to go into it too much other than I've done an article about the current state of consumer Macs. It's on the website. Um, yeah. And... Uh, it's it's a weird one. It looks like for sure a 13-inch Retina cheap MacBook is coming. Whether it'll be a MacBook, MacBook Air, who knows? Um, what keyboard it will have? Who knows? MagSafe, USB-C. No one knows. We don't My really guts, know anything. <laughs> we don't. My gut says it will be USB-C with the new butterfly keyboard off the 2018 MacBook Pros. Um, no touch bar, but apparently it's going to have touch ID. It's going to be Retina, and I'd imagine the design will be more close to the 12-inch MacBook and MacBook Air than the MacBook Pro. I think it will be tapered. I would assume so, yeah. Um, which is interesting, uh, but that, that's 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 what makes sense, to be honest. Um, I... I think that's gonna. I think the price point will be exactly the same as the 13-inch MacBook Air at the moment. Which, as long as it's got modern specs, then uh, hopefully it'll be a bargain compared to what's on sale now. Um, and I think the MacBook Escape will go away. That's what I'm assuming because I think that's, that's why it that's wasn't updated in the summer. One, is if that goes, then we know what to expect. But at this point, I'm betting on it being the 13-inch MacBook and. The MacBook 12-inch getting a 2018 update with the new keyboard as well. Um, and the reason they haven't done it yet is because they're putting it all together in one sort of relaunch. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, my AirPods are on 1%, apparently. Yeah, so are mine. <laughs> apparently a FaceTime call is uh... <laughs> really, really hard for AirPods. Shall we just try and end up? <laughs> end I, off? Think, I think we should before our equipment dies on us. Before everything runs out of battery. <laughs> All I will say, really quick, smart keyboard. My hunch is that it's going to be more like the bridge keyboards, where it's more substantial now. And mm. apparently it's connecting to something on the back. So probably a full yeah. case to make that happen. The I'm Apple not Pencil sure how is... I feel about that, you know. I mean, I guess this iPad is supposed to be, what, 5.9 mil thick anyway. So it's not going to be, hardly going to be thick, but we'll see. I'd like them to offer maybe a less pro keyboard like the current one, but we'll see. Yeah. Oh, one AirPod oh. just gone. Nice, we're dropping like flies here. <laughs> also, um, Apple Pencil 2 is supposedly going to use some kind of pairing technology like mm. the uh, AirPods do, um, because it's not going to have lightning to connect it up, so the first gen pencil probably won't work with it. Yeah, and uh, and uh, what else? Um, Air power, who the hell knows? AirPods 2, the only sort of given is Hey Siri support. Yeah, um, possibly better water resistance. But that's maybe Like sweat resistance. Thing. Yeah, who knows. And the pros are supposedly going to have some some noise cancellation. Um, nice. 
But yeah, all will be revealed on the 30th of October. This episode will definitely be up by then, and shortly afterwards we'll do episode 2, talking about what has been announced. Um, but yeah, I think this this was good. Definitely. <laughs> and, uh, and hopefully we'll be recording within, within the next two weeks, because we plan to keep this fortnightly. So uh, yeah, we will see how it goes. Awesome. Cool. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, you can find me at blueinkcode.com. Um, and on Instagram as at Ajack Taylor and Lex, where can everyone find you? Um, not really many places. Instagram um, at oh uh, at Sanguine. So I'll leave you leave that up to you to find how to spell that. <laughs> Sanguine. Oh, cool. cool. Both AirPods have died. <laughs> it's time to end the show. Thanks for listening, everyone. We will see you in two weeks. <laughs>